Hello everybody, hello and welcome, 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 hello, glad you could make it. I'm Dan, your friendly fishmonger at dansfish.com, glad you could be here with us. Thanks for spending some of your Wednesday here. Um, we're going to do our shipping report like we usually do. We have what I think is a fun giveaway, and then we'll get to questions and comments after we've uh, talked a bit about what's going here on here in the Dan's Fish Warehouse. Uh, William R., thanks for becoming a member. Welcome to the Fishmonger Crew. Glad to have you. Now that you are a member, you'll have access to the Fishmonger Crew only merch, the members only merch, which um, I think is hopefully kind of cool. So check that out if you're interested. We, we mark that down a lot, so it's not something we're making uh, money on. We're just trying to do that as a favor for the members so they can get something cool and a thank you and something that is like, yeah, I'm a member. See, I got the shirt, that kind of thing. Um, okay, let's start with the shipping report. Uh, I, I have to forewarn you all, I'm very tired. And when I'm tired, my mental acumen drops quite a bit and also I get a little punchy. It's, it's been a very busy week. We are in what we call the, sh the Fish Shipping Olympics or the Fish Shipping Super Bowl, whatever you want to call it. And the reason it's the Fish Shipping Olympics is because we can't ship right around Christmas and New Year's. Just with all the holiday traffic and delays and packages not making it on time and the cold weather, it's a recipe for disaster for live fish in the mail. If they get delayed, they'll get cold, they'll die. So the last time we shipped fish was the 19th of December. And since then, we've sold a whole lot of fish, but we couldn't ship them. So January comes in hard on us because we've got to keep up with all the current orders and clear all those backlog, uh, all that backlog of orders that we could not ship during the holidays because the fish just wouldn't get there safely. So that's why it's the Olympics. So it's been quite a week. You got the holiday hangover, right? Where it's like, you know, you were hanging out with the family, probably going to bed late, probably getting up late, drinking too much eggnog, eating too much sugar, you know, you have all that and then you have to come back and go hard. So I'm tired because of that. I'm happy to say though, that so far this year, as of a couple of hours ago, when we checked, we hadn't had any problems. So shipping's been very successful, even with the cold weather. So the shipping report, we started calculating this February 1st of 2022. So we have 11 months of data so far, and we'll keep a rolling total of, of 12 months. That's how we'll calculate the report. But right now we have 11 months worth of data and we are 99.08% successful, which is great because our goal is 99%. We want less than 1% of the fish that we ship to arrive dead or arrive, you know, not strong. And you know how sometimes you get a fish and it's like, well, it's alive, but uh, it doesn't look like it's doing too well. And sometimes they'll pass away a few days after you get them. Um, so we count both those scenarios, arrive alive and alive in good enough shape that they do well for the customer, right? That they recover from the shipping process. So less than, 1% problems, which is what we want. And that includes the Kalitawa problem we had at the end of last year. You may recall, if you've been watching, that there was a tank of Milanitani Kalitawa, a beautiful, I should show you guys this fish. If you guys don't know this fish, this is a hot one. 
I think it's probably the next most popular rainbow fish after the dwarf neon tetra. Look at these guys. They really are they really are beautiful. I think that uh, Hoon Aquatics sent us this picture, so thank you, Ryan, for lending us your picture, your awesome picture, because this is, yeah, look at those fish. I think that's a female there. They really are beautiful, and not only that, but they stay small. This has got to be a Gary Lang picture. Yeah, these, these are Gary Lang's pictures. They only get to two and a half inches, so this is, is not a fish which is going to grow large. So it's beautiful, it's small, I think it's going to be really popular rainbow fish. But anyway, we have several aquariums with them, and one of the tanks we were shipping from, and everyone looked good, and then we had, I think, three reports of people having problems with fish they got from that tank. So obviously something was going on in that tank that wasn't manifesting until the fish were shipped and then they got stressed enough during the shipping that that underlying thing you know came out and so we we stopped shipping from that tank we switched to a different tank and we've been nursing those fish and they're actually doing really well now they've recovered from whatever it was we think but the point is some people got some Kalitawa that weren't doing great it's not necessarily that they arrived dead but they uh they just arrived and we're like, they're not eating really well. What's going on? You know, that kind of thing. So we've been keeping up with that situation and we've now tallied those issues into the total. And so that this total, 99.08% for the, next, the last 11 months counts that problem that, that we've been talking about for a few weeks. So that'll kind of put a period on that problem now that we've kind of calculated how how much of an issue that ended up being. So to those customers, again, we're sorry. We do everything we can to, to not send fish that have a problem, but sometimes fish are really good at hiding an illness. Sometimes we, we just don't realize they have a problem until after we've sent them. Uh, not much, again, less than 1% of the time, but it does happen on occasion. So I'm really proud of that. For 2022, we did a good job. Not only did we scale up the company into a large warehouse, now we have a whole team of us working on this it's not just me and we have a lot more going on but we were able to do it in such a way that we kept the quality up uh, it dipped a little bit for a lot of 2022 we were in the 98.9 plus percent you know just over a percent just over one percent had problems but um i guess that's to be expected we moved into a brand new facility and and had new things to deal with and so you know we're gonna see a little adjustment there but it was hardly anything so we've been able to scale up and keep the quality up which which is a challenge and I have to say a lot of that goes to Mandy Mandy's our chief operations officer she's amazing and how she runs her team is amazing so thanks Mandy and thanks to the whole team everyone here that pitches in on that so I'm really proud of that accomplishment not only did we scale up the business but we did it in a way that uh, we're still getting the results we wanted so that's that's awesome that makes me feel good as a fishmonger okay let's get to the giveaway the giveaway is boom one of these that's right a lemon yellow Dan's fish t-shirt you can find these here we have a store here if you click on store on the YouTube channel then you can see all of our merch. I can't get the yellow to show up, but it's this, it's this comfort tee. 
And if you click on it, it'll show you, wait, it is the comfort tee, right? No, maybe not. Maybe it's one of the other ones. This one looks like it's only in gray. Wait, oh, lemon yellow, there we go. You can select the lemon yellow and, and get that one. The reason I like the lemon yellow is because uh, blue is the complementary color to yellow. And so blue and yellow together, this is color theory from back when I was in theater and had to design uh, sets and, and things like that. But uh, the yellow and the blue is, for some reason, it works on our brains in a really pleasing way. And they're called complementary colors. If you look at the color wheel, they're like directly across from each other, which means they jive really well. So this orange would as well. So that's why we're doing that one. So we're going to give away one of these... Uh, these limited edition lemon yellow dance fish shirts. It's got a nice guppy on it. Thanks Bex for designing this awesome thing. And it's only, this shirt's only gonna be available until the end of the month and then we'll have a new design. And we've already got it done and it's, it looks great. I can't wait to show you guys what the new one is, but you'll have to wait, it's a secret. You want it to be a surprise, a fun thing. Anyway, if you would like to win a t-shirt and whatever size, the same, it doesn't matter. We're not going to be like, oh, you're getting an extra, extra large. Well, that's more material. We'll charge you. Yeah, no, none of that. Whatever size you need is just fine. Then if you would enter hashtag shirt me in chat, that's hashtag S-H-I-R-T-M-E, shirt me in chat. No spaces, caps don't matter. Then you'll be entered to win a you too could look this good. <laughs> I can tell already that it's maybe not the, uh, the most popular giveaway because we only have 170 people here tonight, but that's all right. The people that want the shirt, those are, those are the true fishmongers. Yep, those are the true fishmonger crew folks. If you're here for the t-shirt, you're in it for, you're in it for real. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, thanks for being here again, folks. I really appreciate it. So that is the giveaway. And that's the shipping report. And that's what we've been doing for a while. Just the Fish Shipping Olympics. It's, uh, it's quite a thing. Shipping more fish. And, and we've also had a couple people out sick. So... <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's been an interesting Olympics, but it's going fine. Luckily, we all get along well. We're all focused on the same thing. So whenever anything bad happens, we all just kind of, you know, get together and like, we're going to do it. It's, it's, I feel like sometimes it feels like a sports team here. It's like, hey, we got this goal. We don't have a lot of time. It's going to be rough, but here's what we got to do to get it done. And we all just do it. So, so far, so good. I'm a little bit nervous about some of the packages going to California. I know California is having a lot of flooding right now. Basically, they got a lot of snow, and then they got a, a lot of warm rain, and all the snow is melting off at once, and, and all that runoff is creating some problems. So hopefully everything's uh, okay for those folks, and, and hopefully the packages get there okay. But if anyone has any real delays or anything and is worried, you know, reach out. We'll, we'll walk you through it. Okay, what else is going on here? Oh, I have an exciting uh, group of fish coming in on the 9th. It's not a large group of fish, but it's an exciting group of fish. So we'll have that to look forward to. And we were finally able to do a very quick, 
video of some of the fish that are in the warehouse that went out today and the two things that are on it that I'm really excited about is we were able to show the current group of dwarf red-tailed eels and you can see how outgoing they are you can see how colorful they are really neat species and I mean we already sold out of those like before I made the video I, I didn't do it to sell them but I wanted to get the footage just so people could see how cool they are uh, before we had to pack them all up and ship them out and then I couldn't get the footage anymore and then the other thing that I was able to get some good footage of well I wouldn't say good I was able to get some footage of is the uh, the sword tails we have some of these really nice red-eyed red uh, cauliflower high dorsal fin sword tails and they're they're doing fantastic I, I think this is a strong strain and I think they'll do well for you so I was able to show you those the problem with this fish is when you go to take pictures of it or make video of it it, it has so much glare because it's a uniform color and there's it's, it's kind of shiny and so it's hard to get detailed footage. Most fish, if you take video, you'll see the details. With a uniform colored fish like that, the camera kind of treats it as a single object. And so you don't, you don't get as much detail. So I did what I could I, in, the, in post. I tried to change some settings so they'd be a little, uh, so you could see the detail a little more. But it, if... I didn't do too much though. If you do too much, then it starts to look fake and now it's like, now you're just not being honest about what the fish looks like. It's like <laughs> you oversaturate the colors and you do things like that. So what we try to do is make it like the best it can be, but still be accurate to what the fish is. And I don't think I pulled that off with the, the sword tails, not because they look better than they do in real life. It's because they don't look as good as they look in real life because the detail isn't there. They kind of look like just a single glaring piece of red. But it'll at least give you an idea of what they look like. And the last thing I want to talk about before we get to your questions and comments. No, first, <laughs> my voice. First, <laughs> first, I want to thank everyone for a wonderful 2022. We have had a wonderful year where the business is working. We want to make some changes to make it work better. There's some growth we need to hit because we have some big uh, bills coming due this summer. We want to make sure that we're in a position to, to handle those comfortably. Um, and there's some growth that has to happen till then. But because of everyone's support, because everyone's trusted us enough to buy fish from us, 2022 has been amazing. We've had a lot of growth. There's been a lot that we've learned. And I feel like we're on track to have a really good 2023. At this stage, with a startup company, these first few years are just so fraught that uh, I'm happy I can report that because anything could happen. Like, nothing's guaranteed. <laughs> but... Uh, because of all your support, it, it's going really well, and we appreciate that. And then the other thing is plants. Thanks to everyone who's buying plants from us. I do want to say we're new to plants. I don't know a whole lot about them. My strategy was to try to buy plants that were really hardy so I wouldn't kill them. 
And for the most part, I think I was successful. There's, I think, three species that I've taken down because uh, they're not doing real well. And, and if I bought that plant, I wouldn't want it. Like, that's how I'm judging this. I'm not, I, I can't pinpoint things and even know, like, oh, a leaf turned this color, that means this. Like, I don't know any of that. All I know is, like, man, if I got this plant, I wouldn't be happy. So there's only, like, three out of the 60 we've brought in that need higher light than we have or need want CO2 or something. I'm not sure. They're just not doing as well. But besides those three, one of them is the Ocelot Sword. Took that down. It has a lot of brown spots on the leaves. Half of me is like, maybe that's the ocelot part. <laughs> maybe that's why they're called that. But to me, it looks like they're just not doing well. So I took them down and maybe you'll find out in a couple of weeks. No, that's normal and repost them. One is like a grass type plant. I, I don't remember the name. And, and there's one other that I can't recall either. But at some point, I'll tell you what they are. I'll, I'll actually prepare and write them down and tell you what they are. And maybe you can tell me, oh, yeah, of course you're having trouble. <laughs> you were a fool to even try that one or, you know, let me know about it. But in general, they're doing really well. The people that have got them are pleased so far. But I do want to say we're new to this. So if we send you a plant and you're like, oh, actually, this plant has problems, would you reach out and let us know? Hello at dancefish.com. That's H-E-L-L-O at dancefish.com. Because we could learn. Like, if you're like, ooh, this plant is, it has this real big problem, and we're like, oh, we didn't even know that was a problem. Like, we thought that crinkly leaf was normal for that plant, or, or whatever it might be, right? So, uh, just, we admit fully, we're new to this, we are not experts on plants, so if something goes wrong, let us know, A, so we can learn, and, and B, so we can, we can take care of it. We can refund you, or take care of the problem. We don't want to disappoint anybody. So far, we haven't, but there's still time. <laughs> so that's that's all I wanted to say. And Kelly Foreman, we will turn you into Dan the Plant Man. Yes, we can. I have. I, I would like to be that guy. I like plants. I, I know over the years I've been like, ah, plants. But it's basically a defense mechanism because if I fall down that rabbit hole, anything I do, I do way too much. Like, I get way into it. But growing up, I had a vegetable garden. I loved it. Um, well, I didn't love all of it. <laughs> Sometimes my dad would be like, we're going to weed the garden today. And I'd be like, oh, not today. I wanted to play. But point is, I grew up around land plants. But aquatic plants is a new thing. Anyway, yeah, we'll get there. We'll get there. I'm learning slowly but surely. I don't have the time right now to dig in and really research. But one day I will. That's what it'll take, though. It's just going to take freeing up some time because uh, I don't, you know, I've got to dig in. Got to do all the research. That's got to bone up. But I think the strategy right now of just, like, just keep stuff that's super easy and would be hard to kill, I think that'll work. Sorry. Lips were dry. I think that'll work for me, and I think it'll work for the customers because if I generally sell stuff that they can't kill either, then we'll both be happy. <laughs> with that I want to thank my moderators for being here and doing what they do every week keeping the chat kosher I really appreciate it and we're going to find out what's going on in your neck of the woods if you have a question or comment if you would leave it in the chat and mark at Dan's fish if you do that it'll turn bright orange for me just like it's doing here and we'll be able to uh, 
see it and engage with it. So funny, it says there's no super chats or members yet, but I know there are because I already thanked a new member and I thought I saw a super chat pop up. I'm going to scroll up and see if I can find it because when people throw money at us, we, we want to thank them. It's the least we could do. There it is. Xanadu. Do. Love and support a very busy week, including another order from me, pizza or snacks or whatever. Thank you. Thank you, Xanadu. And I'm going to do that. We've, we've already got some snacks and we're going to need more next week. So I really appreciate that. When we're pulling these long days, it's just nice for the crew to have, uh, you know, something to nosh on. Chris Resker, what kind of sponge filter is in the tank behind you? This actually is not a sponge filter. This is a box filter. And we put it in there to help uh, clarify the water a bit. Um, let me show you what this is. This is a super old technology. It's been around for many decades and it's awesome. This is what's in there. So you have this plate on the bottom and there's some space between that and the bottom of the filter. The air goes up this, this tube and as it goes up the tube it draws water through these little slits down through this tray in the bottom down to the gap and up and out the pipe. So water's going in this way, down and out that way. So if you put filter floss or other stuff in the filter here, then as the water flows through, it'll filter it. It'll catch the particulates or what have you and filter your tank. This is super old technology and it works really well. And I've made lots of these. You take an old yogurt container, you cut a hole in the lid that just fits a piece of like PVC pipe. You put the PVC pipe in the hole you put a layer of gravel in the bottom so the PVC pipe doesn't touch the bottom of the tank. You know, an inch of gravel or so that the PVC pipe can rest on. Large enough gravel that's not going to fall through it. Then you fill it with filter floss, polyfill, fill, quilting, quilt batting basically. And uh, cut slits in the lid. With I just take a knife and go boop, 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 right? That the water can flow through. Put that in, put your airline, drop it down that pipe. You got a box filter. And it costs you probably nothing because you probably have spare stuff laying around the house. So it's a great old technology. And you can put anything you want in the box filter as long as it's small enough that it won't fit through those slits. It's not going to get sucked through that bottom plate and out. You can put pea gravel in there. You can put all kinds of stuff. Carbon pellets in there. Um, yeah, it's a very versatile thing. So this one is just a box filter that has filter floss in it. And uh, this tank was pretty cloudy a couple weeks ago. If you watch the live stream from a few weeks ago, you'll see how cloudy it was because we'd moved these cichlids in here and they, they like to sift around in the substrate and the fine sand. So they were releasing all the silt that had collected in that fine sand while they were sifting through it. Got really cloudy, so we dropped this in here and it sucked all that silt out and now the tank's fairly clear. It's not perfect, it's just a working warehouse tank, but it's, it's much better than it was. So pretty effective tank for sure, or filter for sure. Bex Fish Room. Thanks again, Bex, for the awesome t-shirt design. Boom, look at that. 
All the barbs, Pandagar, and orange Venezuelan quarries are doing amazing. Thanks for all the hard work to ensure we get healthy fish that are shipped safely. Best fish store around. Oh, thanks, Bex. I appreciate it. I'm glad to hear that everyone arrived in fine fettle. That's what we try to do, and I'm glad it worked this time. Ginger Coats. Ginger, hello. Thanks, Ginger, for all your support. We really, really appreciate everything you do. I got my little box of fish today. Everyone arrived alive and well. Plants look great too, and the weather is awful here, so great job as usual. Took me three hours to unpack and acclimate all. Woo! Yeah, by little box, Ginger is, uh, you know, that's ironic talk right there. That was a big box. <laughs> I'm glad the plants did well. I, oh, I'm glad the fish did well, but I'm glad the plants look good too, because, again, uh, that's my Achilles heel. I, I don't know about plants. <laughs> I love Stephen P's joke on the um, video he edited on... What was the title of that video, Stephen? Oh, geez. Was it Why Fish Are the Easiest Pets? No, it wasn't that one. Now i got to go back to my YouTube channel. I can't remember it. This is how tired I am. I can't even remember the last... There it is. Read your tank of green water. Where in that tank, I was like, but I don't know anything about plants. And Stephen threw up this thing and said, plants on sale now at dancefish.com. <laughs> I thought it was a great joke. 223 folks here. Thanks for being here, everybody. Appreciate you spending some of your Wednesday with us. If you wouldn't mind taking a moment to invite all your ex-lovers in, we could make this stream bigger and quite full of drama. Okay, Michigan Fishigan. Nice. I like it. I like the poetry. We're all here because of our love of fish keeping. The giveaways are just a bonus. Oh, absolutely. I, I get that. Yeah. I mean, we could stop the giveaways at any time, but we won't because it's kind of fun. I, I like doing the giveaways. I don't know. It's just something fun to do. Give back a little bit. Yeah. But I'm glad you're here because of the fish keeping. Absolutely. I mean, most of the giveaways aren't that earth-shattering that anyone would be here unless they did love fish keeping. Kind all night. Good to hear from you. Can a pistogramma live with guppies and still have the baby survive? Yes, but it depends. So some epistogramma parents, I, I assume you're talking about the baby epistogrammas, but maybe you're talking about the baby guppies. We'll talk both scenarios. So for the baby guppies, and this would help the epistos too, it would help if about a quarter of the tank is just choked with java moss. I like to have floating water sprite as well. A lot of plants where those guppies can, can hide. That would be very helpful to keep them from being uh, predated on by the epistos. And they won't all live, but if, if you seriously have a good section of that tank just choked with java moss, for example, a lot of those babies will live. And the same for the epistos. The other thing about the episto babies, though, is each pair of epistos is a little different in its parenting capability. It's like humans. Some of them are great parents. Some of them you see in Walmart and you're like, oh no. Right? You get the whole range with epistos. Some of them straight up eat the babies. <laughs> and some of them raise them perfectly. And then you have everything in between. So if the parents are good, that's, that'll help. But the other thing is, do they have an adequate cave? Do they have protected little kind of not I, they don't all have to be caves that's where they might spawn but do they have little nooks where it's easy for the parents to defend the fry like it's it's closed on three sides but one side's open and the parent can 
the fry can go behind the parent and the parent can sit out in the opening and guard them easily. So things like that can, can make it more helpful. And it also, if you've got 500 guppies in the tank and one pair of epistos, then the guppies are going to overwhelm them. But if it's like you have a pair of epistos and a couple guppies, you'll probably be okay. So numbers, you know, what's the ratio of guppies to epistos? That, that plays a part as well. So hopefully that answers your question. Lady Rorsash, those sword tails are stunning. They really are. Not only that, they appear to be healthy. I think I can get them to you in good shape, and I think that you'll have success with them. And we'll find out. Uh, we haven't shipped any yet. Some have sold, but they haven't shipped yet. I think the first ones ship. Oh, maybe we did ship some today. Anyway, I don't think anyone's received them yet, so we've still got to wait and see, make sure that they do as well in shipping as they are in the aquariums. But I think they're going to be okay. And if they are, then uh, I plan to bring more in because they're amazing. And you can't find good ones. Like, the, the main supplier is still cranking them out. And you, you can get them. But they have an uncurable virus. And when they go through the stress of import, that virus takes hold. And it takes several weeks to kill them generally. But they just gradually fade very few of them do okay. And that's the main source in the industry. So, um, yeah, I, I'm hoping that this source is better. It appears to be already, but I've got to go through that whole test of shipping the batch and uh, making sure they actually do well for the customers. So we're still in the experimental phase. And if anyone wants to be part of that experiment, please know that if they don't do well, we always stand behind our fish. So we will refund you for the fish and for the cost of shipping that fish to you. Whatever portion of the box the fish took up, uh, we'll refund that portion of the shipping to you. So uh, you don't, you're not out the shipping. I always hated it when I'd buy fish, they'd arrive dead or you know they'd die a couple days later. I'm not saying that always happened, but when it did, I, I hated it when I'd contact the seller and they'd be like, hey, here's the refund for the fish. And I'd be like, well, that's great, but shipping was half the cost of that order. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you've all been there. Uh, Clicks Images, best bags to use for shows and auctions, standard poly or breather, planning ahead for the Keystone Clash. Well, I like standard poly with the heat sealer, but breather bags in a situation like this can be good. And the reason they can be good is you can fit a lot of them in very little space and you can like I don't know, wrap them with your socks and your clothes and stuff for the way home and put them in your checked luggage, maybe even your carry-on. Now, I say that, I haven't yet heard of this, but I suppose it's it's up to the, what? who's it up to? The Is it FAA? TSA? I don't know. The airline itself, it's at their discretion whether they, they allow you to take the fish on the plane from what I understand. So I don't want to say, yeah, I do it, it'll be fine. Like, maybe the airline you're going to take them on doesn't do fish or whatever. you, you got to make sure that all works. But if it does, then it's a very easy way to put a lot of fish into a suitcase and pack them up small. The downside is there's always the risk of leaking. They do sweat. And so if there was a problem, uh, you could create a real mess. But... For killifish conventions and things, I, I do think they have some utility. 
But for me, I, I would do poly. Problem with the see, if I was here's how I would do it. If I was buying fish at a fish convention or show or whatever that was out of my state or I had to travel far for it, I would literally pack them up and ship them to myself just like I ship fish all, all the time. I, I would do that. I probably wouldn't put oxygen in the bag because I wouldn't have it available. But I'd, I'd have a little air pump with the hose and a little rigid tubing that I could fill the, the bag with. And I'd have a little heat sealer and I would ship them to myself the same way I ship them to my customers. And that's how I would do it. But if you're taking them on the plane, yeah, it might be good to have uh, some breather bags. The thing that always makes me nervous about breather bags though is it's hard to double bag them effectively. So if there's any leak, it's gonna get, it's gonna be a mess and it could damage other people's luggage. And, and then you're into, then you have a real problem. Scotty the Fish Freak! Okay to promote The Clash and you and sponsorships? Yeah, Scotty, feel free. Um, in fact, anyone that, any fish club, if it's a non-profit fish club and they're helping spread the hobby and it's the type of thing where once a month or whatever, people get together and nerd out on fish and it's a non-profit and maybe they have a speaker in an auction and maybe a Breeders Award program, any of those normal types of fish clubs, feel free. Like. In Keystone Clash, yes, AKA, any of that. Um, if you're a nonprofit having to do with aquarium fish, uh, yeah, I, please. I, I grew up in those clubs and they were a big part of my life and an important part of my life as I was a young man trying to make his way in the world. And so, uh, yeah, please feel free. And thanks for asking. That's very, uh, very kind of you, very polite of you to ask, but. Yes, I want to support all those clubs. Clubs will sometimes contact me and be like, hey, if, if we sent you a t-shirt, would you wear it on your videos? I'm like, of course I would. Yeah, absolutely. Anything I can do to support a fish club. Current rewards. How long after a sponge stops getting air does the bacteria start to die off it starts to spike ammonia in the tank. I don't know the actual time current. I'm sure it depends on a myriad of factors like temperature and how much oxygen is in the is dissolved in the water to begin with and what else is in the water chemistry and all that. But I, I honestly don't know the answer to that. You know who I think would know the answer to that though is Dr. Tim Addis. Um, here you go. No, that's pet food. Dr. Tim's, there it is, Dr. Tim's Aquatics. Yeah. Yeah, this is the stuff. Um, Dr. Tim has a PhD in this stuff. I just posted his link to this website. He knows everything there is to know about nitrifying bacteria. And he answers his emails. I've, he, if you email, I, I should say, I'm not, I can't speak for him. In my experience, whenever I've emailed him, he's gotten back to me. He might even have a number where you can call that company. I don't think so though, I don't remember for sure. But I would ask him, I think he would know the answer to that question. Kelly Foreman. Oh yeah, turning me into the plant man, I am Groot. 
Stephen P. 2003 Aquatics, a.k.a. not Stefan. It looked like all your plants are still in their immersed form. Now that you have them submerged, the current leaves of the swords and crypts in particular are going to totally melt. Yeah, I, I'm aware of that. And maybe that's what's happening with the... Uh, what was that sword? The Ocelot sword plant. The, the thing that makes me go, hmm, though, is that none of the other sword plants are doing it. So maybe they're just starting earlier. I don't know. And it's, it's manifesting in, like brown spots in the leaves that are kind of getting bigger and in my experience with with sword plants and things like that in the past that I've had that's not how it happened when they when they switched so I'm hoping that's all it is but I don't know for sure so yeah I, I'm totally aware though that there's this funky stage between emerged and immersed grown out of the water and grown under the water and that they're going to be transitioning to that so it's just this, the ocelots in particular look wrong to me. Of course, I don't know anything, so it could be totally right. And the other one, the, the grass type one, it's, it's fading away, and I'm not seeing any new thing coming out. So maybe it takes longer to transition, or maybe it's just, maybe I killed it. I don't know. But I, okay, well, maybe I can find it here. Okay, let's see. This might be worth talking about. I'll bring them up and tell you the plants I'm having problems with. Okay. Plants. Let's see here. If I go down to the wish list, those will be the ones that are not listed anymore. Ludwigia is dying back, but I'm pretty sure that's transitioning. I've had Ludwigia before. Oh, this one... This one, a lot of the leaves are dying off. There are some roots kicking out though. So I think this one might be transitioning, but I took it down just in case. So right now all that's left are like a few of the leaves at the top from like here up. The rest kind of died down. I, I'm pretty sure it's just transitioning though because it is kicking out roots. So I think it'll be okay, but I don't know the plant well enough. So I took that one down. Oh, here it is. Yeah, here's the other one I'm having trouble with. It looks like Litterella unifola, uniflora. It's basically the leaves are just dying off from the outside in. So maybe that is how it's transitioning, because it does seem to be from the outside in. But I'm not seeing new growth coming up. Uh, I'm not seeing it like taking the energy that it recovered from those and putting it into new growth. Now maybe it is. And I just am not seeing it yet. I, again, I when I say I don't know about plants, I'm not I'm not just being modest. They're, I know a little bit, but I <laughs> talk to someone like Bentley or Kelly or Stephen or uh, many other people, and it's clear I don't know what I'm talking about. But those are the three I'm having trouble with: the Litterella, the um, oh, and let me show you the Ocelot as well. But I did take the ocelot down, didn't I? Yeah, there it is. So the Litterella, the Myriophyllum, Atlantinoides, and the ocelot narrow mini. Do you see kind of this brown spot here? Like, I would have shipped this. It's got three leaves that have a couple little 
yellowy and brown spots. I, I think that's fine. The, the plant's been transported and stuff. I don't think it's unhealthy at that point. But what it looks like now is this brown is all over lots of the leaves, kind of starts in the middle and spots out. And then those spots just get bigger and bigger, which, I don't know, just seems a little weird to me. So maybe that's just transition. And they are kicking out new leaves, so maybe we'll be okay. But I, I was a little worried about it. So anyway, I don't think the sword plant is hard, but are those other two stem plants, are those difficult? I tried not to get anything difficult, but maybe I accidentally did. Okay, Dilamos or Dilamos? We'll go with Dilamos. How do you know if you've ever sourced... Oh, how do you know if you've ever sourced one... Oh, do you know? I was like, how do I know? Do you know if you'd ever source L134 leopard frog plecos? Um, yes, absolutely. That's what I'm on the market for. If anyone here is breeding them, I would love to get some. And I do have... So I've had access... Okay, if I remember right, I've had access to some wild ones, but I passed on them. The breeder I get most of my plecos from had some available, but they were large adults, so the price point was really high. I'm waiting for smaller, more affordable ones to come in. So I do plan to bring in leopard frog plecos. I really like that fish, but I don't have them right now, and I don't know when I will. Lee... I don't want to butcher your name. DiBiasio? I'm going with that. Lee DiBiasio. Any Platinum Ruminos coming in? We've sold out, I think, of the Platinum Ruminos, and yes, I'll be bringing more in. We quarantined for at least two weeks, though, so it's not like I'll have any available real soon. And besides the shipment coming in on the 9th, which I brought in because there's some fish in there that I've been wanting for a really long time. There's some killifish that I'm excited about. And some other really cool stuff. It's a small group of fish, but really cool ones. Besides that kind of select one, I'm not going to bring any other fish in, I don't think, until after next week. Because that'll give us time to kind of clear out of the shipping backlog. And I don't want to actually kill my team. By, by doing the Fish Shipping Olympics and bringing in a, an import. So I have a good supplier of the Platinum Rummy Nose, though, and I will be bringing more in. Yeah, they're a really good seller for us. We like that fish a lot. So I'll do that for sure. Alexander's Aquariums. Do you sell any mosses? I don't. Um, this first round of plants was our first one, so we didn't... We didn't do anything that was a little funky, a little, you know, specialized. So next round I might bring in some mosses and we'll probably do some tissue culture plants as well just to see how they do. And if they do well, then we'll, you know, we'll test and expand, test and adjust and gradually get more into it. It's not like, hey, we tried plants, they went well, so now we're getting all the plants and we know exactly, you know, we don't, we're just going to gradually lean into it a bit. I have Java moss, but I don't sell it because I, I have just enough for my needs. I have a lot of tanks and it grows very slowly. So anytime I get enough to start up another tank, it's 
it's a treat. <laughs> but I don't have enough to sell. Mountain Greenery. Dan, you are giving away my favorite shirt. How exciting. Yes. I like it too. I like the blue on yellow. I just, I like it. It's a happy shirt. Are you sad? Feel like every Monday's blue? We've got the cure for you. Yeah, I just, it's happy. The color's happy. Tannis C. Hey, Dan. Excited to receive my first order. Your selection is impressive. Not much care info out there on the Horn Sunset Garas. Do you think 76 is a comfortable temp for them? They'll do fine at 76 long term. And I know that because I've kept them at 79 long term. So 76 is not going to be too warm. The issue with Gara is they don't like it too warm. Uh, so I'd say low 70s to, to 80 would be pretty good for them. But yes, 76 is going to be just fine. And thanks for taking a risk with us, trusting us and doing an order. I know it's nerve-wracking. I know like everyone getting fish in the mail and your mind starts spinning on all the bajillion things that could possibly go wrong. But just understand less than 1% of what we send has an issue. So the, the numbers, the statistics say it's going to be fine. J.D. Rhea, where is Dan's Fish located? We are in the fine town of Sheridan, Wyoming. Yep, Sheridan, Wyoming. A train. Happy 2023. You too. Thank you. What would you suggest I do if I want to get my endlers to breed true with 90% of the males having the same color pattern? Should I just separate out the undesired males? Thank you. So I think the best way to do this is not just to separate undesirable males, but to literally start new colonies with the ones that are patterned how you want. So the way I set my endler strain back when I did that, I did Santa Maria endlers. And I, I had males, but no females. So I had to use different females and take the time to rebreed and back cross and everything to set the strain how I wanted without losing too much genetic diversity. So here's the ideal scenario. You have multiple tanks you can dedicate to this. That's the ideal scenario. And what I would do is I would get a colony going that has the males you want and start breeding those. I would take the first generation from there and divide it up into like three more tanks. So you have four tanks total that you're using to breed out, let's say. Maybe you can't, maybe you don't have that many, or maybe you could do nine, I don't know. But what you're trying to do is set up different colonies so you could keep some genetic diversity while honing in on the traits you want. So I would do that. And then I would, after those had grown to spawning age, I would keep the males from each group that looked right and I would hopefully you can do this separate the sexes while they're still virgins right before they can spawn then take the best females put them in with those so that's what I would do now you've got four different colonies going the next generation what I would do is so now we're in F2 I would take those out I would select females before they were bred. I would cross those back to the males that 
had the genes I wanted from the original breeding group and the, and the F1 groups. What you're doing is you're saying these are the males whose colors I want and you're taking the females and breeding them back to them. Then those babies, I do the same. I select virgin females, raise them up, and breed them back to that male. And I do that in each of those four colonies. But what I would do to keep some genetic diversity is switch it up occasionally. So each colony becomes its own kind of separate genetic strain, kind of. It's not a ton of diversity, I realize that, but it's something. So I'd breed, after I had that going for a bit, then the next time I take those females and breed them in the tank next door to that male and keep back crossing those females to those males for a few generations. And then when you start getting offspring males that a lot of them are what you want, then you can select those out too and start breeding them with females from other uh, groups, from the four distinct breeding groups, right? So you're keeping these distinct little genetic subpopulations within the larger population. That's my advice, that's how I did it. Back cross to the original males for a little while and the F1 males, the, the P1, I think, the, per, the first generation, and the F1 males for a little while and then start kind of breeding cousins, start mixing them with the other tanks. So you get a little diversity that way while retaining the traits you want. Sprocket, tips on feeding a shy empire gudgeon. Been in the tank for a week and a half. He's had some bloodworms and I've tried pellets. So one of the things to try is probably feed, put the food in and leave. Because if he's still, or she is still not settled in, he's probably scared of you. And might not come out as readily if you're there. So I'd put the food in and walk away. And if you want to verify that they're actually eating, I don't know, set up your phone camera or something so when you walk away you can take some video and, and make sure that's actually happening. But that's number one. Uh, anything that might be scaring it, I would remove, including yourself from the process. Until they learn that when the lid opens, when you walk up to the tank and the lid opens, that means food. At which point they might start getting more bold and coming out every time that happens. But I, it, for the first while, I wouldn't be there while they fed. I'd just verify they are feeding. If, if I knew that they were shy, because I'm probably scaring them. So that's, that's actually my main advice. That's probably what I would do. The other thing, I suppose, is to try to figure out why they're being shy. And it can go both ways, and I don't know if you'll always figure out why. I've had groups of Empire Gudgeons that were very shy, and I've had others that were right up front and happy to see me and begging for food from day one. They didn't know me yet, but they were never shy. So I don't know if there's something environmental that could be switched around in the tank to make them feel more outgoing. If friends would help, maybe a group would be less shy. Although, like I said, I've had whole groups that were shy and individuals that weren't. I, I, yeah. So I don't know. The only thing I can really settle on is what I said before about maybe uh, just feeding them and walking away until they at least associate you, your entrance and the, the lid being lifted with feeding time and start coming out for it. Sorry, Sprocket. I feel like I'm letting you down. I don't know if that's a great answer, but it's the only one that's popping into my mind. 
Uh, I guess the other thing is dither fish might help. Are there other fish in the tank that are out and about and confident that are helping the Empire Gudgeon know it's okay to be out and about? Spinster sister wants to know if I can sex the Amazon puffers. I cannot. How many can I stock in a 40 breeder? It's kind of a loaded question for me because I, I keep a lot in a 40 breeder. This is a fish that likes company. It likes to be in big groups. It's gregarious. It's community-minded. So, and they don't get too big. So 40 breeder, they eat a lot though. And the foods they eat are protein rich. So, you know, you create a lot of waste in that scenario. So it really depends on how many water changes, what kind of filtration you have, is it planted, all that stuff. So let's say that that's all under control and you don't have any worries with water quality. You set the tank up so that water quality won't become an issue. 40 breeder, long term. I don't know, I might do eight or so. I think that's, that's a number that could work. Maybe even more, you know, if if things went well. You don't want to super crowd them, but I, I think about eight. Sam Bone Dallas. As my guppy fry grow out, seems males disproportionately never get to maturity. Any ideas? No. Like if you were telling me that the sex ratio is skewed and you get less males in total I'd say it might be temperature related there's studies that are done on temperature pH things like that there's certain parameters that can skew the sex of some fishes and I don't remember which one it is in guppies but I think there is one but what you're saying is it seems like they start out with a fairly equal ratio but as they grow to maturity you lose a lot of males Sam Bone Dallas, I honestly have no idea. I've never experienced that where I lose more males. Actually, my experience is the opposite. I, I tend to lose females more, and I think it has to do with childbirth, the stress of, of childbirth for them. Anthony B, do you experience with plecos in acrylic tanks? Do they really scratch the surface? I've never kept plecos in acrylic tanks, so I can't actually answer that. I don't think so, though. That seems weird to me, but I don't know. I really don't know. <laughs> There's a lot of I don't know this time around. There's 253 folks here. That's not bad at all. Thanks for being here, folks. Appreciate it. Gold Nugget Pleco, Tetra. My tap pH is 7.2, yet my 10-gallon freshwater heavily planted tank with fluorite spiderwood and a red mangrove has a pH of 8.3. Wow. Can too many plants make too much oxygen raising the pH? I honestly would think I could be way off base here because, again, not a plant dude, but from what I understand, plants actually take up minerals over time. So over time, a plant to take will lower in pH. That's my understanding of the water chemistry in that situation. So 7.2 and then it goes up. So here's an experiment for you. Well, I, I mean, unless you have calcium rich gravel or decorations or something, 
that's leaching calcium carbonate into the water, aragonite or crushed coral or limestone or something like that, then I don't know what's going on. But here's an experiment you can run. Take your tap water, put it in a five gallon bucket, drop an air stone in it, and let it bubble for a couple days. Or however long it takes for it to usually transition in your aquarium from 7.2 to 8.3. Just let it bubble and then test the pH. Does the pH go up in that scenario? If it does, there's just something funky with your tap water. Maybe they put some chemical in it to temporarily lower the pH so that it didn't corrode the pipe so bad with some kind of mineral that's in the water. It wanted to keep it dissolved in solution. Maybe something like that. But if it does, if it does jump up, then you know there's something funky with your municipal water or your well or whatever. And I would suspect tinkering to make it so it doesn't harm the, the city's water system is at play. But if you put it in and it doesn't go up, then you know there's a material in your tank that is doing that. And I really doubt it's the spider, or it's the plants. I really doubt it's the plants. I don't know anything about fluorite, except I've used it just uh, for iron in plants I've had in the past. Would fluorite raise the pH? I don't think so. I don't know. That's where I'm at on that one. Survival of the fishiest. Yarn beard. Best giveaway ever. And don't forget, it can also be a yarn wig if you're alopecic. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad you liked it. <laughs> I might do that every Christmas. That was fun. Alexander's Aquariums. Could you do a giveaway of shrimp? I'm trying to breed cherry shrimp, but I've never seen any babies. Well, we've done a few giveaways of shrimp. So... Didn't we do one last week or the week before? Let's see here. Let's take a trip down memory lane, because my memory tonight when I'm this tired, <laughs> ain't remembering nothing. Okay, live. Yeah, we did shrimp just last week. And we did pumpkin spice shrimp there, and we do it on occasion. I can't do shrimp all the time, though. Like, people would get burned out, so I try to rotate it. So, yeah, we'll do shrimp again. Um, I'm not sure when, though. Mike Omeg treated my 150-gallon with flubendazole, and my ram's horn snails went inactive and perished. With flubendazole. Have you ever had this experience with flubin and snails? If so, how long until I can put snails in again? Thanks. No. No, we, we're treating a couple tanks right now with flubendazole and I haven't noticed any snail die off. I've been using flubendazole for a long time. Johnny, have you noticed that? I mean, levamisol, yes. We've noticed levamisol kills snails because we use it at a much higher dose than most people do. And at that dose, it definitely puts the snails out. But flubendazole, no, I don't think I've seen that. Maybe it's happening and I've just not noticed, but I don't think so. I've used that drug for a long, long time. But Johnny, correct me if I'm wrong. Have you noticed any of that? <laughs> boots, cats, boots, cats. I'm just going to call that boots, cats, squared. My ex-lover won the albino cribs from you. Two paired up and we're bullying the third. Now I have the female that didn't get a rose will she be okay by herself or should I get her a mate 
she will be fine by herself. Yeah, I don't think cribs are one that you absolutely have to keep with other cribs. Now, if you do, it'll be more interactive and more interesting and things, but um, no, I don't think that that's a fish that relies so much on, on being in a school or a group or anything that that would be a problem to be by herself. It would be interesting though, if you did get a mate, you'd see some neat behavior. Ira Nelson, any tips on getting albino paradise babies to survive? Yes. My best tip is have a lot of live microscopic food, infusoria, rotifers, things of that nature. That's really my best tip, especially for uh, boot, uh, <laughs> I read boots, <laughs> for boot nesting. Sorry, I was looking at boots, cats, boots, cats. Especially for um, bubble nesting anabantoids. Their babies tend to be very small when they come out and they're not gonna be able to eat baby brine shrimp, and they're not gonna be very good at eating powdered foods, like powdered flake foods and things like that. They want, they're gonna naturally seek out small, little moving microscopic things, or very small things anyway, like infusoria, rotifers, paramecium, those kinds of little things. That's what they eat in nature. So my best advice would be learn how to culture something like that. And it can be quite simple. Um, take a little time, but it can definitely be done. So that's my best tip. There's all the other things too, though, about you know keep the aquarium tightly covered so that it's humid enough that the babies uh, don't breathe dry air. That's something you hear a lot. I don't know if that's actually a problem if they breathe dry air, but but going back decades and decades, all the uh, Bubble nest anabantoid breeders, bettas and things like that, say, you know, keep it nice and humid there, nice, warm, humid air for them to breathe. Otherwise, supposedly, as their labyrinth organ is developing, they'll have problems. It could be totally anecdotal. I don't know. But there's, there's things like that. But my main advice is the food. Keeping that small live food in front of them and changing the water frequently enough that they, uh, that they, the water stays clean. Paul Soltero. Paul, hope you're doing well. Talk about a subject, aquatic plants. With enough conviction, people will believe you wrote the book on the topic. Just saying. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yes, I've met many of those people throughout my life. I found it much easier to uh, just be upfront and honest. You don't have to remember all the stories and lies and everything. It's just so much easier. <laughs> but you're right. Talk loudly and with conviction and people will think you know what you're talking about. Unless they actually know a little bit about the topic and then they'll be like, no, no. <laughs> but Paul is an observer of the human race, I can tell. Orange Cones, hello. Hello right back. Hope to 2023. Hope 2023 is better than 2022. Have you ever sold Nantho, which one is that? Peter Sai. Oh, yes. Would love to get a group. Um, so, how do you say the genus? Nathomanus. I think we're talking about the elephant nose, right? Nathomanus, Peter Sai. I have one right now that I'm about to list for sale that I, I got, yeah, that I got in the order that came in from the Democratic Republic of the Congo several months ago. 
finally got it fat enough that I think it's going to do fine. Took a long time. <laughs> Did not arrive in good shape. But yeah, these are an amazing fish. I've tried a couple times and haven't had great luck. So it's one of those cases where I have yet to find the right supplier. When I do, though, that's a fish that I'll bring in and, and have infrequently because I like it a lot. I grew up with Mamirids. I think they're amazing. How do you say this one? Catch them if you can. Ha <laughs> Do the copper rasbors develop a red color like the SBI? Just have a different body shape? So, let me show you this one. Copper. They might get a little... You can kind of see it in the fin. See that a little bit of red in the fin, like here? It's hard to see in the picture, but I can definitely see it there. They do get a little bit of that. The main feature with them, though, is the copper color itself here. It reminds me of like a glow light Daniel. It's really bright. It, it's glowy. It's very iridescent. And there's a lot of it compared to other Harlequin-type Rasboras. So I'd say that's the main feature. They do get some color in the fins, though. But I don't know if it'll... I'd have to go look. I don't know if it's... it's I don't know if it's as much as, like, your standard... Um, S, your SBI. I'm not quite sure. Fishy fellow! Two of my cherry barbs have what looks like a white pimple on their sides. Is it some type of parasite? It definitely could be... The issue is it could be lots of things. Let's take ick, for example. White spot disease. The, the issue with that kind of thing is there's over 20 organisms that can create that on the fish. Some of them are parasites. Some of them are viruses. I, I, shouldn't, I don't know, is a virus an organism? We don't have to get into that whole debate. Uh, 20 pathogens <laughs> that can cause that. And I've, I have that from a freshwater veterinarian who told me that. So just because a fish has a white spot and, and some parasites cause white spots doesn't mean that for sure that's what it is. So I don't know. Mountaintop Puffer Keeper, Congo's eating and flaring all day now. Mood lighting or music for success not yet figured out. Limia vitata, the Cuban limia, around 100 half-inch F1 fry. First live bearer to last up here. Awesome. Awesome. I love the limias. Let's take a, a look at these for everybody. This is the fish we're talking about. Definitely one I would be interested in buying, Matthew, for sure. Really neat, really neat fish. Got that kind of melanistic type patchy quality to it. I like that fish a lot. Yeah, let's let's hope those spotted Congo puffers or Congo spotted those Shodeni uh, end up uh, <laughs> end up doing their thing. I'm glad you got a Limia to live. That's awesome. Jacqueline Snow, would you happen to know how to tell the difference from rosy tetras and candy cane tetras? No, I'm sorry, I'm not. I'm not a real expert on. The nuances of kerosene that look similar. I'm sorry. 
If you haven't checked out the um, Seriously Fish, seriouslyfish.com, I think, maybe it's .net or .org even, but check out Seriously Fish. Often, towards the bottom of their descriptions, if there's a very closely related fish, sometimes, not often, yeah, often, it'll tell you how to tell the difference if you can. Or it, t- or, or it might tell you that you can't. But I don't know them well enough. I probably could if I looked at them next to each other in person or something, but off the top of my head, nah. Beta Aquatics. Can you share what's the name of the disease and treatment for the illness with the sword tails? Also, are they cauliflower or high dorsal fin zephophorus swords? Well, they're exactly like the ones in the pictures. To me, I thought that was a cauliflower. But am I wrong? I mean, that's what they were sold as. So, they look like that. And then, this is a picture. So, this is a picture I took of the old strain I had. The new ones look exactly like it, though. This is a picture of the new strain that I took, I don't know, a day or two ago. Then this is a picture Johnny took of the new strain, just with his phone. That's why the picture doesn't... This is with the nice camera. This is with a phone. So this is what they look like. Yeah. Oh. Ha! I'm bad at my job. I haven't been showing that this whole time. Sorry. Here you go. This is uh, one from the original strain. And I used it just because... I happened to get it while it was raising its fin up, so it made a good picture. I couldn't get these with their fins up in the exact right pose. This is a picture I took of our current group with the good camera uh, just a couple days ago. Then Johnny took these with his phone uh, yesterday, the day before, something like that. So this is what they actually look like. Now, to me, that's uh, cauliflower, but I'm not an expert on swordtail, so not quite sure but they they aren't the typical hyphen that uh, looks different like usually a hyphen sword tails can be disappointing yeah so they definitely are not your typical you know what you think of when you think of your typical long fin or hyphen sword tail by any means Those ones that we see more frequently, like these guys. They're not those. Woo! Look at that. It's like a beta tail. Man. <laughs> one day. One day. Okay, scrolling down here. Scotty the Fish Freak. Thank you. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Timbo, tanking it easy. I love that name. Let's go tank it easy for a bit. <laughs> I like it. Chat jump, Timbo. I'm scrolling up like a madman right now to see if I can get to... Oh, I can't, Timbo. It cut me off. I cannot see your comment. I'm sorry. If you would relist it, Timbo, I'll try to get to it. Dragon Lair. Moss grows like gangbusters for me. How many pounds do you want? A lot. Yeah, I'll, I'll buy it all. 
Dragon Lair. If you have Java Moss in good shape that you want to sell, I will buy it all. Bunny Viper Aquatics, be sure to use that Dan's fish so Dan will see you're coming. That's right, if you do that, it turns bright orange for me. And so then I, I it calls my attention to your comment. Otherwise, I just don't see it. And it gets lost in the noise, right? Lee DiBiasio. <laughs> I just butchered that. <laughs> Lee DiBiasio. Poroak Panchax Luxothalmus. Yes. I only have Normani in right now from the Poroak Panchax. I will get Luxothalmus in again. Not easy to find, but I will. I don't know when, but I like that fish a lot. Oh. The other part of Beta Aquatics uh, comment or question that I didn't answer was, can you name the disease that the old, the, the sword tails that I used to get had? And I can't. I, I read the lab report and it's on there, but I don't have that at my fingertips. It's a very technical name, and I don't remember which one it was. Okay, scrolling here. Sorry. A lot of people just saying thanks. You're welcome to everyone that said that. Get a new comment. Ira Nelson, would overplant through the tank encourage such small foods to develop in the tank naturally? Yes, of course. The more surface area, the more stuff can grow. A lot of these critters are benthic, so a lot of them will grow attached to things. So, yeah, that would definitely do that. And if you can grow green water, that's that's good too. That's full of neat stuff for fish to eat. Did I reach the bottom? Wow, chat jumped so hard that it probably cut off an hour's worth and I can't see a lot of it. I'm sorry, guys. Yeah. Here, scroll in here. Okay, there we go. Oh, that was better. Aquatics again. Dragon layer. I com I composted a five-gallon bucket of moss a month ago. Oh no! <laughs> I I lost my opportunity. Oh well, it happens. It happens. Yeah. Next time you're gonna throw away a gallon, five-gallon bucket, give me a call. I'll give you at least five bucks for it. No, we can do better than that. <laughs> All right, let's get to the giveaway here. So we are giving away, for those that might have got here late, this shirt. I mean, not the one I'm wearing. Uh, whichever size you need will get you, provided, you know, they make them in that size. But let's do this thing. So the giveaway for a shirt is William R. William R. looks like a dapper dressing man who could use... Instead of this nice collared shirt and tie and jacket, I think what you need is a bright yellow guppy shirt with the tie and jacket. William R., I think that's what that outfit is missing. Yep, indeed. We've got two minutes, William R., to claim your uh, fashion upgrade here, and uh, we'll get that to you. If you don't chime in in two minutes, then you lose the opportunity, and we will draw somebody else. That's how it works. Killers, Aquatics, and Reptiles throwing down a generous super chat. Thanks for the 10 bucks. Appreciate it. And a little pippy to put some pep in your step. Thanks for the pippy long stocking super chat. Always appreciate it. 
<laughs> Beta Aquatics, will you autograph the shirt? Sure, if the person wants my big ugly autograph on it, I'll do that. If they request it, but you know, if they want to wear it out in public, <laughs> they might not want that. <laughs> Ira Nelson, did an experiment with my 10-gallon on my front porch that ended in green water. Awesome. You can probably use that then. Rotifers, paramecium, uh, infusoria, that's maybe a little better because that's pure little like animal organisms or a lot of that. But green water has a lot of those critters in it, so that might work for you as well if we're talking about the uh, paradise fish fry and raising them up. Coro works. You gave us a sweaty mop. You can't give us your sweaty shirt. <laughs> I just start like wiping myself with things and giving them away. <laughs> All right, green sticky. There you go. Here's the giveaway for next week. <laughs> Oh, man. Oh. William R. is here. Awesome. William R., thanks for being here. Thanks for joining the fun. Uh, if you would send an email to claim your winnings to hello at dancefish.com. That's H-E-L-L-O at dancefish.com. We need your first name, your last name, and your shipping address, and we can send that off to you. Oh, in the size you want, whatever size T-shirt you want, let us know. <laughs> Xanadu do and it jumped. Hang on, there he is. You should, you should all sign the shirt. I could probably get people to do that. Okay, I think that's it. We've reached the bottom of the chat, so we're gonna close this out. And well, I'll give it a minute. If someone else has a question or comment, I know a lot of you got cut off. So if you're one of the people who, unfortunately, the chat jumped and cut off your question or comment. Uh, now's the time to list it. I've got some time, and I bet if you listen now, I'll actually be able to get to it because I'm at the bottom of the chat looking at it for, for real. So we could do that. And yes, Brenda is going to sing tonight. Let me put that link down. Thank you, Lady Rorsatch, for reminding me. All right, here's the link to Brenda's next song, Over the Rainbow, old classic. We'll be uh, listening to her in 10 minutes. So Brenda will be singing live on at the link I'm posting right now at 8.30. It's 8.20 at the moment. Okay, Mega Mindy Lou. I've been drooling over the Krabenzis. They're totally worth it, I'm telling you. I, I don't know if it comes across in video and pictures, but they are stunning. Always been a bucket list breeder fish of mine. Question is, the pairs you have for sale, are they related? Is that okay to breed them if they are? I'm guessing they're related. They came from a hobbyist breeder. They're bred in aquariums, so generally a hobbyist breeder is going to have just a couple tanks that they're breeding, right? So all the fish are going to be related. And they had to set the line, so I'm sure there was quite a bit of line breeding going on to get that red really strong. But yes, you can breed them. They're not degenerated in any way. I'm not seeing the bent spines or the I haven't tested this, but I think I'm pretty good at looking at a, a group of fish, a batch of fish, and knowing if they've been inbred to the point where, where they need some new blood. There's little signs, a little bend in the spine, 
a little offness with the gill covers on some of them. The fins are just not quite right. The eyes look maybe a little funky on a couple of them. Like there's signs like that. And the super red Kerbinsis look clean. They look great. So I, I think they'll do well for you, Mindy. I really do. Coro works. Any news on the green Kubatai Rasbora? Well, we had a bunch. Are we? Did you ask last week? And I was like, yeah, I'll get them, but I don't know when. What I didn't know at that time is that we had some. Or had they? Maybe they had already sold out. Okay. So yeah, they. So they had already sold out, but not shipped yet because we couldn't ship over the holidays. So that's why. I'm like, I just, I just pulled some out of the tank yesterday. <laughs> like I know I just caught some recently for a customer. So looks like we're sold out. I don't have any news yet, except for I, I anticipate that it'll be mid this the third or fourth week of this month when those arrive would be my guess. And then there's the two week quarantine period minimum. So depending on how they arrive, they might be ready two weeks after, could be a lot longer. Sometimes it takes months to get fish healthy. I have some spotted Congo puffers that are ready to sell now. And we've had those since, I don't know, summertime, right? Like it took that long to, to nurse them to health. So just depends on how they arrive. I never know for sure. Although the supplier I get them from is pretty good. So I think they'll do okay. As long as they don't get velvet, they're very prone to, to velvet. And then it takes some time to really get them better because velvet's nasty. Beta Aquatics. Do you think you can do a short on the sword tail illness and treatment? No, there is no treatment. It's, a, it's an untreatable virus. That's why I stopped buying them from that supplier. So here's what happened. A few years ago, I was able to buy those. I brought in a couple batches. Each batch came in really weak. Well, not, I wouldn't say that. I think one batch came in in decent shape. Um, but when I shipped them to customers, over the course of a little, a few weeks, they would die off for the customers. And it wasn't just one customer, it was several, which makes me know there's a problem with the fish. One of those customers was a veterinarian. And we both wanted to know what was wrong with the fish because we couldn't see anything else showing up. So sent them off to a laboratory and they did a histology and they found that, that's, that those fish had a virus. The virus, I forget the name of it, but it's not treatable. There's no cure. So I just had to stop bringing that fish in because if the only supplier that has them has an untreatable virus that makes it that they die for the customers, you know, there's no point bringing them in. So for a few years, I didn't bring them in anymore. Then I found a different supplier in a different country, different strain. So I brought those in and they appear to be doing very well. So it's not, it's not, a disease that all sore tails have or that's common in sore tails and here's how you treat it it's no this one supplier had a disease in their facility their sore tails were one of the carriers of it and there's no cure so that's that's the story there so the current group i think are good they're they're acting much different than the other strain did much better greg jones any pond species planned for the springtime i have a few right now I have some bitterlings, which I think are cool pond species. I have some rice fish, got some paradise fish. I don't really do the seasonal thing. It's not like, it's not like I'm like, oh, it's springtime, I'm gonna stock up on pond fish. Because what I found is, 
unless you're doing like goldfish and koi, most pondfish people can keep year round. So I don't have any specific plans, but if people want something specific, let me know. If it's in my power to get it, I'd try it. Night Owl Aquatics. Do you know anything about L309? Maybe. Let's see. L309 Pleco. Oh, it's not ringing a bell. Ah. No, I would not say that this is one that I know a ton about. I've, I only have one Pleco that's kind of like this right now. It's the the orange... Uh, uh, which one is it? It's like a honeycomb pattern on it. Well, let's do this. See if I can find it. It's a fantastic little one. And it's been easy to keep and breed and all that. It hasn't been a problem at all. Oh, let's, let's do Placostomus. Hang on. I, I'm using my own website wrong. <laughs> There's a surprise. Like I said, I'm tired. Okay, I think I've still got a few of these, so I should be able to find it without too much problem here. Which one is it? There it is. The 519 looks like the looks similar to this one in a lot of ways. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know them just like a bushy nose. And they do they're fine. They're yeah, easy. Okay, 827. We've already done the giveaway though, so I can go right up to the end before I go over to Brenda. So I'm gonna do as many of these as I can. Kevin Monahan, uh, Monahan. <laughs> I don't know why that tripped me up. Any possibility to breed Turkana jewel cichlids back in? I'm probably not, Kevin. I brought a nice group in, and I think it took eight months to sell them. So I'm not sure. I like that fish. It's beautiful. For a jewel cichlid, it's peaceful, but it didn't sell. The only way I think I'd try it again is if I could buy a group from a hobbyist at a very reasonable price. And because price might have been, maybe I was just charging too much. My source for them was kind of expensive. So I brought in, if I remember right, didn't I bring in wild ones? No, no, I didn't bring in wild ones. Um, but the source I got them from was kind of pricey and the market didn't bear the price I'd have to charge to sell them. But the reason I got them from that source is they're in what I would consider an ethical source. So I, they're the only source right now that I would buy them from. But they're too expensive for the market to bear. So maybe I could try it if I could find them at a better price point from a good source. Passionate fruit. Any more red-tailed dwarf eels available? The current stock level on your side is zero. Um, kind of. So those sold out super fast. People have been waiting on those for a long time. So. As soon as those hit the website, they were, they were gone quickly. I don't think we have any more available, but sometimes we'll ship what we have and we'll notice, oh, there's another one back there that we didn't see or whatever. And then we might have a, you know, find a couple stragglers we can sell. And we, we tend to underlist slightly so we don't accidentally oversell. I hate it when I oversell. It does happen, but it's a big disappointment for a customer when they buy something, they purchase something, they're, you know, they're dreaming about it. If you're like me, 
you find a fish, you research it, you set up the right home for it, then you purchase it, you're dreaming about it, and then the seller contacts you and he's like, oh, actually we're out of stock on that. It's like, oh, right? We try not to do that. So we do underlist usually, which usually means once we ship all the fish that have been bought, we usually find a few more. So kind of. All right, with that, our time is up. I'm going to go over to my wife's channel because in 52 seconds, she's gonna be singing a pretty song and I wanna hear it. So real quickly, I'm gonna do my sign off. I wanna thank my moderators for doing what they do every week, thank you. Thanks to everyone that's a member of the Fishmonger crew. Thanks for being a member of the channel, appreciate it. Everyone that threw money at us, thanks for the super chats. Always appreciated, never required, but they really do help. If you were active in the chat, thanks for making it interesting. If you're watching the replay, hello from the past. If you're listening, oh, if you're lurking, hello, Lurker Nation. And if you're listening to the podcast, thanks for listening. With that, we'll be back next week, same bat time, same bat channel. Until then, bye-bye.